Leviticus chapter 17. And we may read again at the 10th verse. Leviticus chapter 17 from verse 10. And whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn among you that eateth any manner of blood, I will even set my face against that soul that eateth blood and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. divine prohibition that was to be honored within the coasts of Israel. And the prohibition is not confined to those who were Israelites by birth. It is extended to any and to all who sojourned among them at any time. In the land of Israel, no blood was to be eaten. And then we are told the reason for this. I do not think that it has any relationship whatsoever to anything that is theological or biological. It is not uh, as to its value or lack of value as an article of food that the reference is made here. The prohibition is grounded on something else. First of all, it is said that the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you, saith the Lord, upon the altar. I have given it to you, that is, I have given you the blood upon the altar to make an atonement for your soul, for it is the blood that made atonement for the soul. 
Now, the general principle underlying this prohibition and the reason thereof is that what was used on the altar was not to be used anywhere else. I have given you the blood upon the altar. This was its place. It was set apart for a sacred use. And it was not to be used, therefore, for any common use. Now, as we have occasion to point out to you before, as you read the rules and regulations that governed the life and the diet of the Israelites, you cannot fail to see that the lesson that is emphasized in it and through it all is this that there is a difference between the precious and the mine, between the holy and the profane, between the clean and the unclean. That is the lesson. Well, there is part of that lesson here. They were not to use blood anywhere in the land for this reason. Not only that the life was in the blood, but that the Lord had given them the blood upon the altar. Now as you know, the sacrifices were offered either for the, for the whole congregation of Israel or for individuals in that congregation. And the congregation of Israel included in it the whole nation. Sacrifices were offered for the corporate body. And sacrifices were offered for individuals. And certain rules governed them all. But of the sacrifices themselves, there is a division, a twofold division. There are the bleeding sacrifices. That is the sacrifices in which life was taken away. There are the bleeding sacrifices. But there were also the bloodless sacrifices such as uh, the, um, the meat sacrifice, the meat offering, and the drink offering. Now, of the bleeding sacrifices, there are four classes, generally speaking. Some of them may be subdivided, but there are four classes of sacrifice, of bleeding sacrifice brought before us in the script. 
There is first of all the uh, <coughs> the birth of it. The birth of it. That is the one that we have to begin with. Now the characteristic of the birth offering was this, that it was offered holy. It was consumed by fire in every part of it. There was nothing left for the priest. There was nothing left for anyone. The burnt offering was burnt holy upon the altar. Then there was the peace offering. That offering was partly burnt and partly set apart for the use of the priest. And then there was the sin offering, of which the same is true as is true of the peace offering. Then there was the trespass offering. These are the four kinds of offerings or of sacrifices, the four kinds of sacrifice that are brought before us in the Old Testament ritual of worship. And of course, the sacrifice was at the very heart of that worship. It is what constituted the worship, what it was. It had at its, at its center the offering, the sacrifice, yet the bleeding sacrifice. So when things were thus set in order, there was a way of access unto the Lord opened up to the people. But we have to remember in connection with the blood, it was not the blood considered in itself that made atonement for the soul. It was the blood as considered as the vital um, element in the life or in, in, in the in the creature that was offered. It is the blood as it has the life. Or as the word here may be translated, for the soul is in the blood. For the life is in the blood. It is the vital element without which there can be no life. No, it is the blood considered in this way that made atonement for the soul. But first of all, the Lord says, I have given you the blood upon the altar. I have given it to you. That's a strange statement, because it would 
seen from the way in which the offerings were given or offered that it was the people who gave the sacrifice. It was of their own herd or flock that the sacrifice it was that the sacrifice was taken. Now another thing in connection with these, and we just see this in passing, in connection with the animals that were offered, they had to be without blemish. And furthermore, no wild animal could be offered as a sacrifice. Only tame animals that were that were um, clean according to the law of God. Only such could be offered. Some animals could be eaten that could not be offered in sacrifice. But no animal could be offered in sacrifice that was not fit for, fit for human food. And furthermore, these animals had to be tame animals. That is made abundantly clear. No wild animal could be offered as a sacrifice. That is very instructive. <laughs> but here God says, I have given you the blood. It would seem as we had said that it was the people who were giving the blood. Oh, but God says, no. I have given it to you. And I have given it to you upon the altar. And that means far more than that God had ordered this. I have given I have given it to you in the sense that I have prescribed what you are to give. It it means far more than that. I have given it to you. They were never to forget this. They were never to fall into the mistake of thinking that they were giving it to God. That is guarded against the possibility, at least the probability, of falling into that mistake is guarded against by these words I have given unto you the blood upon the altar. The Lord is uh, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The cattle on thousand hills are his. Everything is his. But this was his in a peculiar sense. There is nothing so sacred on this side of the grave as the worship of God. Everything connected with God's worship is so sacred that if we really realize the meaning of it, 
we would certainly be less presumptuous. There would be with us as was the, with the apostle, trembling and fear and weep. But there is such hardness of heart, there is such darkness of mind, that we fail to see as we ought to see the sacredness of God's worship. We take it as a comedy. Now if the, if the sacrifices were intended or calculated to do anything at all, it was this, to impress upon Israel the sacredness of God's worship. And the line followed is this, the holiness of God is emphasized at every conceivable act. And as the holiness of God is emphasized, the heinousness and the enormity of sin is emphasized correspondingly. Now, this had an effect, even to this day, in their worship, you will notice a certain solemnity about the Jewish worship that you do not find in many other places. Those of you who are acquainted with some of the Jewish writings, especially their prayers, while they are destitute of this blood, they are certainly not destitute of a consciousness of the majesty of Jehovah. That is emphasized all the time. And that has followed on from the legends of the sacrifices. The holiness of God, his separateness, is emphasized at every turn. At man's consciousness, take up the number of sacrifices, birth offering, peace offering, sin offering, trespass offering, all calculated to bring home to their minds the holiness of Jehovah. Now, it is he who gave them the blood upon the altar. It was he who not only intended and appointed it, but he claims this as his own. Why? The life is in the blood. God is the author of life, of all life, and there is no life apart from him. And when he gave them the ordinance of sacrifice, it was he who gave them the life. 
None of them had a right to give it. They had no right to take it themselves. Life is sacred in all its activities and in all its phases and stages. I have given you the blood. I have given you the life. For the life is mine. All life is mine. I have given this unto you. Why? It was upon the altar. Uh, upon the altar to make atonement. Now notice this. It wasn't blood simply considered. It wasn't even blood considered as the vehicle of life. It was the blood upon the altar that made atonement. It had to be upon the altar. The altar was as necessary as the blood. They were very different, yes. But the two formed a unit in making atonement for the soul, the altar. That is, it was blood offered to God. It was the altar that represented, so to speak, the Lord's claims. Upon the people, it was the altar that stood there to speak eloquently of Jehovah, it was the altar of Jehovah, the altar of the uh, tabernacle of the congregation. No, it was as this blood was brought into contact with the altar in the prescribed form. Oh, from the wrath of Jehovah. 
it is the blood that covers the soul. And that forms a shelter for the soul. It is the soul that is covered, not the sin. Of course, it is quite legitimate to talk of sin as being covered, but that is as a second thought. The primary one is this, the covering of the soul itself. Thou hast put a cover on my head in the day of battle. Yea, in the day of atonement, the Lord puts a covering on his people. And see how far this goes back. That which uh, brought in uh, any need for sacrifices was, of course, sin. Sin that disrupted the relationship between God and man. Sin that disturbed the peace that existed between man and his creator while man kept his innocence. But sin having entered and death by sin, it was necessary that man should be covered if he was to escape the wrath and the curse due to it for his sin. And isn't that what the Lord himself did at the very beginning of man's history as a fallen creature? He covered them. He covered them. Before he expelled them from the garden, he covered them. He made them clothing of animal skins. That is, he covered them. Well, that is the lesson of sacrifice, as it is brought before us in the Mosaic dispensation. It was a covering, an expiation for the soul. And the nature of the covering was this. That law and justice were attended That is, that law and justice received what they demanded. And what was that? The life of the sinner. That is why the emphasis is here on the life being in the blood. It was the offering of life. It was life that was taken away. Now there is another part of this that is very, very significant. The man who offered the sacrifice had to put his hand on the head of the animal that was to be offered. And he had not only to touch his head. It wasn't touching his head. That's not the word used means this. He had to put his hand on the head of the animal and to press his hand 
he had to place his hand on the animal's head. That's all he could touch. But to place his hand on it, indicating that there was a transposition of situations or of positions. The animal now took the position of the man. The doctrine of substitution is one that is essential and that undergirds the whole ritual of that. It's the doctrine of, of, of substitution. One life substituted for another. The life of the animal was a substitution or was substituted for the life of the sinner. That was the meaning of its being offered up. It's like being taken away. Now here we have it. One life for another. That is the covering for the soul. But of course, there was much incongruity in the sacrifices of the old Testament. There was a great difference between the blood, the life of an animal, and the life of a man, yes. But these were but types and symbols. They typified something that was to come. And the perfect sacrifice, namely the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, is in every way fitted to the requirements of the sinner and corresponds in every conceivable detail with his needs. It is one life for another. That is what makes at home. It is a sentence of death passed upon sin. Yea, it is the sentence of death executed. Not only passed upon, but executed. And this is what makes a covering for the soul. It is the blood that makes atonement. It is in the blood that there is a covering. It is in the blood that there is shelter. In other words, there is a hiding place. And that hiding place for us has to be death. But the death that makes a covering is the death of Christ. The death of Christ is the hiding place for the soul. Or to put it better, Christ in his death is the covering for the sinner. It is the blood that makes the old man. And there is no other hiding place. There is no other covering. It is Christ in his death. That is um, the city of refuge. The hiding place 
from the storm, recover from the tempest, for the sinner. It is the blood that maketh atonement. It is death that brings life. The death, the death of Christ, is my only protection, my only covering from the wrath of God, the wrath due to me for my sin. The death of Christ, what of course the life of Christ, oh yes, that's very important, but considered as a sacrifice, considered as a atonement, Considered as a covenant, it is Christ in his death that can meet my needs as a sinner. That I may be covered in the day of the Lord's anger. That I may be passed by, as was the case in Egypt. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and there will be no plague on you to destroy you. It makes a poor It is a cup. But that is justification. That is pardon of sin, a covering for the sinner. But the meaning of the sacrifices had not exhausted. The meaning of the sacrifice is not exhausted in justification. There are great lessons in sanctification in the sacrifice. They bring before us not only justification, that first and maybe primarily, but that does not by any means exhaust the teaching of the sacrifice. There is much in the sacrifices that teaches sanctification also. Why had the animal to be burned? Surely the blood shedding took away its life. What test was this calculated to give? It could at least be interpreted in this way as it is interpreted in the New Testament. Dearly beloved brethren, offer up yourselves as living sacrifices to God. What's that? Surely, that is the life and walk of the Christian, his sanctification. That is one of the lessons that the burning of the sacrifice was meant to give, as this was calculated to give. The fire burns that which cannot withstand it, but it purifies that which can 
we have sinned. And that we must have all endure the penalty of sin forevermore. Oh, that the Lord where himself that the blood did me at all.